Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? What a world we live in where the Atlantic Coast Conference is pinning its national champion aspirations on Wake Forest at 4-0. You know, in my mind, that just means one more conference out. One's out of the way. We got we got another another conference starting with an A creeping on up. The Bearcats have moved up after a week of doing nothing. Very surprised. Very surprised to see that indeed. But you know what that means? That means it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat. You know what? Today, it's not just football. It's sports fans. It's sports fans because we also got a fantastic recruit from Wes Miller and Co. So I'm just, I'm gushing from, from ear to ear, this grin, it's smiling and it's not because it's pumpkin beer season. <laughs> pumpkin latte. Are you a pumpkin latte guy, Hummer? Do you go to Starbucks and grab yourself a nice uh, pumpkin spiced latte from the drive-thru paying six forty five or whatever it costs? Uh, usually at least one, but that's it. Um, instead, I spend the rest of my uh, $6 on pumpkin ales. Very nice. Very nice. Respectable. I've never personally indulged in a, in a, in a pumpkin flavored drink from Starbucks or any of their competitors. Um, I have dabbled in the pumpkin flavor from, from Grater's ice cream. And I must say it slaps. It absolutely slaps. Delicious flavor really hits around October 1st uh, as we get a little cooler here into the season, but nonetheless, I digress Hummer. It is indeed a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcats sports fan. You did, you kind of acknowledge the fact that the Bearcats are up to number seven in the AP rankings. They also moved up to, I believe, eight in the coaches poll. Good news on both fronts to see us moving in the, in the right direction after a bye week. Both of us are eating crow this week because I definitely saw a world in which we were moving backwards in the rankings. I went so far as to, I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I don't know if I texted to someone. I, I had a sneaking suspicion that Arkansas was going to win against Texas A&M. And I was envisioning a world in which they jumped about 10 spots in front of us. That did not happen. They flirted with it. Arkansas is now eighth in the AP poll. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I'm not going to go to, to cynical Coomer and get all dark on the podcast here. I am happy to see our Cincinnati Bearcats football team ranked seventh in the country heading into an undefeated matchup against top 10 Notre Dame fighting Irish. It is a great, amazing, unprecedented week to be a Cincinnati Bearcats football fan. You know, the, the, the matchup coming with, with Notre Dame, I got another bone to pick with Brian Kelly. And it's not the fact that he left us, you know, what was this 12 years ago? Um, you know, old wounds, they heal. Luke Fickle, way happier under Luke Fickle. All right. He's way more handsome, you know, much taller, has, has a better history of, of stats against Ohio State. I believe he recorded at least one sack in his in his one game at uh, at South Bend. But Brian Kelly went as far to say that basically scheduling Cincinnati 
was the same as scheduling someone like, was it central Michigan? Is that, is that the example he used uh, as like a pay to play school? You know what, Brian go fuck yourself. Okay. <laughs> and it's fine because at the end of the day, we're going to break the Notre Dame's home win streak. Uh, unfortunately we can't break the, they haven't lost to an, an unranked opponent in like 35 games or something because uh, um, newsflash, we are actually favored in this game uh, on your home field, Brian, on Kevin. your home field, we, on the your Bearcats, home. they're opening. I think it opened at minus two this week. We didn't play football last week. Hummer. We did not play football. Notre Dame played football, beat Wisconsin 41, 13. And, and Vegas looked at it and said, yeah, this one's, this one's looking like a Bearcat victory. And we don't have Sam, Sam antics on here to, to discuss with us gambling, Sam, because we are recording off schedule, but it's okay. I'm just going to put in my, my units this week. Uh, I don't even know how many we had. I don't know if we, we won or lost. We don't have here to update that from, from a couple weeks ago, but I'm putting them all on Cincinnati to just flat out win. And you know what? I'll give Notre Dame the points. All right. They can take them. They're going to need them. They are going to need them. Take those. I'm yeah. I'm I'm also taking my units, both big brass units, slapping them right on the table, and I am taking the Bearcats to cover whatever line there is. Sam, gambling, Sam. I apologize that we didn't get you on tonight. Didn't we? It's on us, Hummer. We did not. We did not give him the proper notice. We have a very special guest uh, coming on the podcast later this week who is who is recording with us during our normal time slot with Sam. Going to leave that as a surprise. Maybe we'll tease it on Twitter. Very excited to bring this interview to you guys uh, with our Notre Dame celebrity of the week is what I will refer to him as. Um, a legitimate celebrity too. Like this isn't, this isn't some slouch. This isn't, this is way too much hype here. Or is it? it I don't know. I don't, he's not really a celebrity, but he, he is should a be, especially from be Cincinnati, from Cincinnati, because he, I'm going to tease it what he did. All right. I'm going to tease it. He founded a website. Uh, a big website. It has a big Cincinnati presence. It's huge. Uh, probably one of the biggest sports sites that covers University of Cincinnati sports. It's massive. In, in the and world. he founded it. And he founded it. Uh, and he's right here from Cincinnati. He, he did graduate from Notre Dame, though. Uh, people you know, but people, have, leave, figured, people have figured it out, it out by now. That was, a very, that was a very clear and decisive tease. I think people have done, Google has done the job for them. But I, I do want to go back to this this quote you shared from Brian Kelly, which I will give credit actually to friend of the podcast, Michael Boston, who kind of, I think he went mini Bearcat viral with this, with this post. He was sharing a clip from an article. I, just, I do want to read the exact quote to react to it even further because it is, it is just jarring chef kiss Brian Kelly. Like it's peak Brian Kelly and his essence. It says, quote, actually, let me try this again. I want to read this in Brian Kelly's voice. I'm going to read this as, with Brian Kelly's tone or the tone that I imagine. I, th I think I've got games scheduled with Central Michigan as well coming up. Just wanted to give those schools an opportunity. If there was an opening on our schedule and anytime we have those negotiations, the opportunity to play Notre Dame, usually those schools are wanting to do that. When Jack and myself and, and Ron Paulus sit down to talk about openings, I just thought it would be for me, an opportunity to give those schools that gave me an opportunity a chance to play 
Notre Dame. What a douche. Well, what? I'm just glad that he had the guts to allow a very motivated Cincinnati team. You know, he's letting what, what's the old saying there where you let the uh, the wolf into the hen house. Well, we're here, baby. And we're hungry. <laughs> we're here. We're hungry. And I, I truly thank you for not calling me out for such a terrible and, uh, and inconsistent impression. I'm not really sure what that was. We're going to let it lie there. I'm not going to do it again. Uh, but Brian Kelly, you know, enough. Just well, enough. And we find out tomorrow whether, whether Jack Cohen's going to start. You know, so that's, that's uh, do we care? I don't think we even care. I think it, we we care in the context of he's not actually he doesn't appear to be his, that his good backup of a his backup might be better so exactly so so we care in the sense of like you know give him his immunity cream uh, slab it on the old spine rub the bottom of his feet let's get this guy back in action healthy again so that he can he can get back behind that offensive line that is uh, quite uh, average at best I love that phrase I love saying it and that's that's being generous to them. Uh, but let's get him back behind that line, uh, you know, standing in front of my Jay Sanders, standing in front of Malik Van, standing in front of Beavers. Uh, let's let's let him have some fun with our guys this weekend. I think I think he would enjoy that. I think he deserves it. I think he deserves the right uh, to have this opportunity as the starting quarterback of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now, are we are we aware of any of the other injuries? Are they still going to be missing their their starting nose tackle? Um, the injuries on defense. I mean, I'm, I'm curious if that's really the one of the reasons why this, this spread kind of this, this swing happened. Cause when it opened up for the, for the pre bets, it was, I think minus one uh, going towards, towards Notre Dame. Um, you know, it's just. Yeah, you know, I don't know the full slate of like all the injury expectations, but I do know that they are they are ravaged on their offensive line. It's been a it's been a challenge for them anyway. I know that that offensive line struggled to protect their quarterback last week, which is what led to an injury uh, in the Wisconsin game. But they also have been one of the worst teams in the country uh, at at run blocking and at getting their running backs uh, lanes to to run in and. Uh, in terms of, I think I saw a great stat out there about yards before uh, initial contact, and basically the running backs have have no room back there to get anything going, and the Bearcats happen to be ex- exceptional so far this season at, at run defense. So it seems like a recipe for disaster for Notre Dame. I don't want to come ar- come across as too cocky. There's clearly going to be a lot of a big challenge ahead for the Bearcats. We have our own problems with the offensive line at times, and it's certainly going to be one of the biggest you know, keys for victory, I imagine, for our team to see us protect Des Ritter, give Jerome Ford some some running lanes and, and giving this team an opportunity to, to get the game going. But, I mean, as a Bearcat fan, Hummer, how are you feeling watching? I don't know if you had to watch any in Notre Dame, Wisconsin, but seeing how they're playing, seeing the injuries stack up, seeing Brian Kelly give us this bulletin board material, and then also seeing the Bearcats enjoy a – a, a luxurious bye week before this game to spend a little bit extra time preparing for this matchup. Well, my, my first thought here is it's, it's going to be time to let the big dogs eat. 
the linebackers are just going to have a field day against Notre Dame. I, I think that I think the defense. This is where I, I saw some stuff on Twitter. I don't remember the guy, but he was he seemed to be a very controversial. I make my own stats up kind of guy. Uh, went in the rank teams out there, and he gave he didn't even he had no respect. He didn't give us no respect. He uh, he didn't have us ranked in the top ten. And he had us ranked not in the top 10 in any statistical categories, including linebacker core. And I'm like, wait a minute. Our linebacker core is just, in my opinion, we have two, two of two, two linebackers have been playing absolutely phenomenal. Darian Beavers and Deshaun Pace. And Deshaun Pace is just absolutely incredible. A, a force to be reckoned with, uh, with the defense and with the way, and he didn't even have the defense ranked in the top 10, which is also a travesty like, well, who did you really play? Well, all right. We gave up a total of what? 21 points between the first two games. And one of them was, uh, does it even count with it 14 points? I can't even keep scores, scores in my head anymore because we beat them so bad. So I don't care. But the point is they're stacking the line so hard against my Jay Sanders. It's opening up opportunities for other guys to come and make plays. And Deshaun pace is so freakishly athletic that he's just going to wreck wreck havoc all day in their backfield. It's not going to be pretty. Cohen's going to end up legitimately injured, um, and they're going to have to play the freshman like they played this this week because he's going to be in his face all game. So I'm, fe- I'm still feeling pretty confident about it, but it's weird because it's one of those things where like even against Indiana, for some reason, I get the Bearcat, like, nervies, the nervies nervous like oh just want us to come out and, and win and, and play good and, and not have it be that close well i will start freaking out and i will be st- struggling with the urge to let it be known on on twitter um if they come out the same way they did against indiana that's where the bearcats need to to step it up they need to come out firing from the get-go whatever they did different i know we talked about with justin Dude, just go back to playing football. Do what you normally do. You know, you don't need to practice with the wrist thingy. Just go out there and play ball. Think about how how emotional and revved up and pumped and anxious the Cincinnati Bearcats fan base was for playing at Bloomington, Indiana against the Indiana Hoosiers two weeks ago. Think about how you felt before that game because I was amped. I was pumped. I was nervous. And a lot of it came out if you're, if you're a fan of Twitter.com, a lot of it came out there with the frustrations over the slow offensive start, uh, falling behind 14 nothing. It was stressful. A lot of people were feeling stress in that moment. Hummer, this upcoming game at South Bend against Notre Dame is the biggest regular season football game in Cincinnati Bearcat history. It's at least the biggest regular season football game since the Bearcats traveled to Pittsburgh back in 2009. At least the biggest one since then. This is monumental for our program. It's, it's what we've been building to this entire season. We've rehashed what the schedule looks like after this. When, it, when we start playing Temple, when we start playing an injury-ravaged Central Florida team that, that has now moving on to their, their backup quarterback, when we play you know the other underachieving programs in the American athletic conference. Our season is defined by what happens Saturday, two 30 in, in Indiana, in South Bend, Indiana. This is, 
it's it's monumental as they say in f1 it's mega everything about this uh is is going to bring stress to your life it's going to bring nervous energy but you have it within yourself to maintain cool remember that we are led by desmond freaking ritter remember that we are led by a defense that is loaded on the outside with a mod gardener it is loaded with the playmaking talents of Deshaun Pace. It is loaded with a defensive front that is that requires tremendous effort to keep him out of the backfield in my Jay Sanders. Beavers, Malik Van, DeBlanco. I get what you're saying, man. They've got us, Hummer. They've got I, us. Maintain I don't cool. have the ability. I don't have the ability to maintain cool if, uh, if, if we start off the same way. It's, it's going to be near impossible. Uh, the coolest I've ever gone through an entire football game was the Peach Bowl until the end, at which point I'm pretty sure all the neighbors in the house in Florida I was staying at, all these strangers knew that we were all from Cincinnati without seeing our license plates. <laughs> of the screaming and yelling and going crazy and just absolute madness. Look, I'm pumped about this game. I think you're 100% right. Uh, I would actually go, though, and say – this game is at this point bigger than I think the biggest game since then was George, was Virginia tech. The first BCS first BCS game we went to. Yeah. And I know I'm just talking regular season. I don't want to compare it. Cause like the peach bowl was huge. Frankly, last season's peach bowl was an enormous game. And despite losing the game, it actually was very, it was still very good for the program. In my opinion. Yes. A lot of respect was earned. That's why we came in the season with the top 10 ranking. But in terms of regular season games and considering the fact that our best teams, you know, played largely in the American Athletic Conference and also in the um, in the Big East back under Brian Kelly, like this is this is definitely in the pantheon of biggest regular season games. I'm not a Bearcats football historian, but but I, I challenge anyone out there to tell me a bigger moment for our football program than what's coming this Saturday on October 2nd. It's tough. I mean, you know, you put it that way, and I feel like I just have to, to completely change my opinion and just say this game is just as big for us as playing in the Peach Bowl. You know, we are playing for what I view as a surefire way to propel us more than likely into, I would say, real consideration for jumping Oklahoma and Iowa. I think this is the game that pushes people to say, all right, the Bearcats are for real. It's time to stop messing around. They might be in the power or the G5 now, but this is this is a legit contender. And so I think it's a it's a game that we win and pushes us up to that number five. You know, depending on what what Penn State does here down the road, it's a game that depending on what Notre Dame does the rest of the schedule, which their schedule is easy too. Let's keep that in mind. Their schedule is no different than than ours essentially after after this after this game. No ranked opponents left on theirs. We at least have an outside chance of playing a ranked SMU coming coming here soon. Um, I think are they on our schedule this year? That'd be a travesty if they're not. SMU is on the schedule. Memphis. I hate is how not we don't play. Yeah, how do we schedule? not play Memphis? <laughs> but we we probably we're not going to talk about Memphis. But if we did, it, it would largely uh, go back to losing and blowing a I think twenty one nothing lead to University of Texas San Antonio. That happened. Yeah, yeah, that did happen. That did happen. Um, so I, I did want to kind of go back to what you were asking with with regard to injuries. I was checking out the, the depth chart here. 
it does look like the the nose guard you were referring to, Kurt Heinisch, uh, graduate senior, apparently by all accounts a very good player, was in concussion protocol last week against Wisconsin. It seems like there's a, a good chance that he comes back for Cincinnati. I don't think that's official though. Not going to break news on the podcast about that. It did. While I'm looking through their roster here in the depth chart, I'm looking at fightingirishwire.com. Um, their defensive line is quite experienced. Uh, the starting ends, you've got uh, Myron Tagovailoa Amosa. He's a graduate senior. Nana Osafo Mensa Jr. Uh, and then obviously Heinish himself was also also a graduate senior. It's a big off. It's a big defensive line. There, it's, it's full please, of large. Please allow men. me. Please allow me. Who cares? <laughs> Go home. <laughs> I know we're not. I'm not going to be the guy breaking down X's and O's. I'm just pointing out the fact that this is a defensive line that we haven't. It, it's unlike other teams we faced this season. Indiana was pretty solid, and and by being solid, they actually disrupted our offense quite a bit, uh, especially before they lost. You know, one of their best defenders to a to a quite, very questionable targeting penalty. So. It's something to be aware of. It's reason to, if any sort of trepidation hinges, in my opinion, on our ability to block and protect Des Ritter and our ability to move the football, because we did struggle with that for, you know, the first almost near half of the game against Indiana. I think it's going to come down to more of that too. I think it's going to come down to letting Ritter make some plays. You know, we kept saying this at the beginning of last year, not Ritter, not having more designed runs. We need to see Des Ritter get his legs involved in the game as well as keeping Jerome Ford invested in the game. Allow, allow those two to open up, open up the field, you know, for the, for the passing game. And if that doesn't happen, that's where I'm going to get scared. Cause it's, we saw what happens in the first three games of that of last year when we did not let, let Des make plays. So it's time to open up the playbook and, I don't know how much of this is true. Oh, we've been saving the playbook for when we play Notre Dame. Like, really? You think we just like save the best, best for that? I, I think we run plays, right? And at this point, you know, smash mouth football, I, I know that's what Luke Fickle wants to run on. I want to see some diversity when it comes to the play calling. Uh, you know, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I think that's going to be the key to the game. Ritter is going to be the key to the game. It's his play. He's going to have to make those throws at the beginning of the game that were, that were close. We're going to have to limit the turnovers. And frankly, we're just, it's, Notre Dame is a good team. No matter how they may have looked at the beginning of that game in Wisconsin, they are a good team and we can't afford to make a ton of mental mistakes. And the same thing with Notre Dame though, because we are also a good team. They are not going to be able to afford five turnovers. You know, that they're, they're not going to be able to turn. If they turn the ball over like that, if we turn the ball over, we cause five turnovers, they're done. They're done. Yeah, I think with Notre Dame, if you're if you're Notre Dame, you're asking yourself, how is our offense going to move the ball and score on Cincinnati with any sort of consistency? Kevin Austin, a wide receiver, has been quite good, had two touchdowns against Wisconsin. I know what his day is going to look like, right? He's been playing really well this season for Notre Dame, but I'm aware, like, and I'm sure he is too, and Brian Kelly is, and, and it's how do you scheme around keeping Sauce Gardner off of him? Because Sauce has been an action, you know, you know, a literal lock the key has been thrown away you cannot you cannot move the ball consistently by targeting and attacking sauce Gardner, and that's such a huge advantage for us as a team to know you have that ability to put this long lanky elite nfl caliber cornerback 
on, on a team's best receiver and he can do a hell of a job shutting them down. And then all of the struggles they've had offensively uh, stem back to their offensive line, which then trickles down to, to shoddy quarterback play from a quarterback who, who people already have questions about. And from my standpoint, that's where things look favorable is banking on our defense's ability to keep this very low scoring, which is what our offense is going to need. I, I, I'm skeptical on going into Notre Dame and lighting it up with 35, 42 points. Like I, that's not something I see coming, but I do see a game script where we walk out of the South Bend with, you know, a 24 to 17 victory, a 24 to 13 victory, uh, a 21 to 10 victory. Like our, I, I think our defense can't put the clamps on Notre Dame offensively. Hmm. Hmm. I don't disagree. I love everything you're saying. I like it a lot. Um, do I necessarily, I think it's going to maybe be a little more high scoring than that. I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 24, 14. Didn't I just say 28, 20, what did I say? 24, 17. Then I, exactly. told, I said, I loved everything you were saying. <laughs> I love everything you're saying, except uh, the score that I'm it's going, going to be to the exact same. Literally repeat right now. I just want to make sure that when we get to Twitter's and this is what happens, I'm like, oh, I called it. I called it over your call. <laughs> <laughs> no, I called it. No, I called it. You can't have it first. No, it's, uh, I, I'm giddy. I'm excited. I'm glad we're talking to a Notre Dame celebrity tomorrow to to go even more in depth on it. Um, Remember, owner of the biggest Cincinnati Bearcats sports website in the city, in the world. It's massive. It's huge. Justin Williams kind of hit the nail on the head. If you go back and listen to Justin Williams podcast, by the way, most downloaded podcast in, uh, in our show's history, which we truly appreciate everybody. Uh, review, rate, subscribe to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast and leave a review for us. We appreciate it. Help spread the word. But Justin on that podcast did hint at the fact that getting Des Ritter running early, picking up a first down early with his legs, as you were alluding to earlier, that is a, a key. That's a great idea. Like, you know, Denbrock, uh, if you want to consider letting Des use what is probably his most valuable asset as a quarterback, which is his effortless ability to just run by defenders, probably not a terrible idea. Not, not a bad idea to try and get a couple first downs early in the game to build some confidence, get everybody settled in. I hope they can do it. Probably easier said than done. But nonetheless, uh, just wanted to make sure we're sharing our suggestions for when, when Mike listens to the podcast like he does every week. You know, for a fact, he definitely DMs us. 100% DMs us. <laughs> that he does. Any, no, any uh, final thoughts on, on Notre Dame or things, things we should be keeping an eye on, you're worried about, you're excited about? I'm excited to see Brian Kelly's hubris be his downfall when he intentionally decides that, you know, Sauce Gardner is not that good and that he's just, just going to throw at Sauce all day, every day. And uh, it's just, it's, he's not going to have a good day, all right? He's not going to have a good time. Uh, you know, when you're supposed to throw away from him and you throw at him, you're not going to have a good time. Okay. When you pizza, when you French fry, it's not going to be a good time. Uh, no, other than that, I'm pumped. I think that, you know, we've been seeing a lot of good stuff. It's just, 
it only happens, you know, after the first quarter of, uh, of football games. We just need to see it happen for this game, all four quarters. Our buddy, our buddy B Fox laid it out in, in, a, in a very concise tweet that sort of laid out why there are so many things to be excited about with the matchup. And, and first and foremost, is, is it a bigger deal, the opportunity to beat Brian Kelly and win at Notre Dame? Or is it a bigger deal to just win because we would be undefeated? It's the toughest game on the schedule. And, and it gives us a chance at actually contending for a playoff or at a minimum playing on New Year's Eve. New Year's. Uh, for UC fans, for us, it is about going in there and stomping Brian Kelly's dreams, being the team that just squashes Brian Kelly's dream of winning a national championship at Notre Dame, of squashing his all these, you know, haven't haven't lost at home win streaks of of just completely humiliating Brian Kelly after he becomes the winningest coach in Notre Dame history uh, of just absolutely making Marcus Freeman, you know, who by all accounts, you know, he left on good terms, but just making him feel so dumb for going to Notre Dame. Like you could have had it so good over here. So this could, good. Been you, but this could have been you, but you playing Mike Mickens, you know, like you're just going to get torched. Alex Pierce is just going to Alex Pierce is just going to seriously just, he's just going to crush your cornerbacks. It's not even going to have to do it with speed. It's going to do it with size. It's going to manhandle them, right? Try to talk to Alaska K is going to beat you with, with, with his speed. Uh, you know, Dan Brock's going to come in and just completely redeem himself. Absolutely monstrous game play calling from, from Den Brock. And at the end of the day, Michael Young Jr., is going to end up helping me win the bet this week by actually scoring some touchdowns. And at the end of it all, we won't have two top 10 consensus, top 10 undefeated teams. We won't have it. We'll only have one. <laughs> and it'll be the Bearcats. Well said, sir. Well said. You alluded to, to several uh, of the items there. And oh, uh, I hit them all. I hit them all. You, hit, you did hit them all. You did hit them all. So, <laughs> Uh, much to look forward to. We've, we've definitely talked about it at length and it deserves it. We'll hit on a, hit on it again later this week on our, on our second podcast of the week. But you know what, Hummer, I, I feel bad about cutting off your, your seamless transition. So you know what? The, the, the honor is yours. Please transition us to what we want to close the podcast on. Wes Miller recruited Daniel Skillings and it was great. All right. Four-star kid. Really, really good. It's going to be amazing. Uh, he has really good, really good uh, athleticism. Only been playing basketball for three years. You can get to the hoop score really quickly. That's it. All right, guys. Well, if you want to hear a more in-depth <laughs> breakdown of Daniel Skillings and, and his game, I would just refer to our last podcast episode. Uh, we recorded it with Josh, uh, Josh Verlin of the uh, City of Basketball Love dot com, which is a basketball website dedicated to Philadelphia hoops. I was thinking, how perfect is it that Daniel Skillings commits to play for Cincinnati just as you leave Philadelphia? How amazing would it have been? And the content we could have gotten had you remained in Philadelphia and gone to a few high school basketball games, shot a few videos, given us some highlights, missed opportunity. Oh, I would have gone. 
I would have gone to his home basketball games wearing UC gear, being the only person in the crowd going, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> and he'd be like, what is going on? Like UC fans are coming to my my high school games. <laughs> can I ask, is it impossible for you to do that? Like, is that something we can actually make happen? Because I think we need it. Um, there's actually a chance I could I could work my work travel around his basketball schedule. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it's it's amazing that Wes Miller seems to be getting he's getting to work quickly, right? And he's building he's building out this class. he's I'm, I'm speechless the guy seems to just doing he's doing everything right there's not like and we haven't seen the bearcats play but i'm arguably the most excited about any bearcats team that i've ever been ever been able to witness this year this is this is the team that i'm just pumped about and it's not going to be for me it's not i'm not excited about the wins and losses that that we might accrue or might not accrue you know, I'm just excited about seeing all of these different players and seeing what Wes Miller can do when he's taken a roster that's essentially, you know, went down the the five leftover Brandon players. The rest of them are guys he's bringing in. He's setting a tone for culture. So we're, I think this is a year we're going to see the culture immediately from what Wes Miller is trying to build because he brought in guys who knows his culture and we're able to teach it to, to the other players. That's why I'm so excited is just, I'm ready to see the Wes Miller era kickoff I'm ready to see that he I think he, we do have some talented young players, some that we know very well from from last year and, and seasons prior. So I'm just I'm pumped and I haven't been this pumped about a Bearcats team in a long time. I think you just went on the record saying that you're more excited about this Bearcats team than any other team you've ever experienced. Do you want to walk that back at all? Do you want to <sighs> clarify that at all? I'll clarify it. Because, yes, there's teams that you have, like, ex- expectations for, that you have high expectations, you're clearly excited for the season, right? So, yes, from an expectation standpoint, this is not the most excited I've ever no, been. I, I actually completely understand what you're saying, and I, and I agree. For one thing, I turn up my level of excitement to 10 every single season. Like, I talk myself into every single team. I figure out, like, well, here's why this is going to work. Sometimes I have more concerns than others, right? Like, going into last season, I think we rightfully had some – some concerns about fit and how the roster actually made sense together. All of those, uh, all of those, unfortunately reared their ugly head as the season went along. All of them left and went to Wisconsin. Right. But this team, (laughs) (laughs) this team seems to, um, they're exciting for a different reason. It's exciting because it's a brand new coach. It's a brand new coach who's done every single thing right in the offseason from a public relations standpoint. He's been on the money in terms of how he talks about Cincinnati basketball. In my opinion, one of the most special things about him so far is he's brought in a, a level of self-respect back to the program that's been missing, not just during the John Brandon years, but even kind of toward the end of Mick Cronin's reign. He believes and, and lives Cincinnati basketball as an elite blue blue blood program like what you like referring to as a blue blood he believes it to be that he treats it like that he he recruits like that he doesn't make excuses about not having the proper name on the jersey to be able to recruit the top guys and get guys to believe and buy into a culture and see a vision and join something that doesn't actually exist or isn't fully formed yet Wes Miller believes in Cincinnati, Cincinnati basketball and is treating it as such And it's really fun to see that again. But in addition to that, 
the roster makeup is so fresh and so new and it's, it's young and, and it's deep. We don't necessarily have that top end clear cut, you know, scoring option that we've had recently. Like there's no Jaron Cumberland on this team. There's no Jason Maxiel on this team. There's no uh, Eric Hicks. There's no Gary Clark, the stalwart where you're building everything around them. But the team from like one to 13, you can talk yourself into all sorts of lineup combinations happening there. And I, I do agree with you. I think that's where the level of excitement comes in. And it's where I completely agree with the sentiment that there's, there's just a level of giddiness about actually playing basketball. And we're, and we're coming up on like 40 days until games are being played. And we, there's one thing we know for sure. One thing we can count on that this team will do that last year and the year before drove us absolutely insane. We know they're going to play defense and they're going to crash the boards. They're going to play Cincinnati style basketball. And that's what I'm pumped about. In addition to having guys on the team who I perceive as also being able to score and score reliably that are going to be but, fun to watch, but don't move on too quickly. Like let's start there. Cause I think if you kind of look at this through Justin Williams, the program article, which is kind of a, it's a redux of the state of the program that he did last season. It's the un, it's the informal kickoff to basketball. I'm reading this. And I think what you hit on is the exact thing to be most excited about that combination. We heard Jamar talk about it. The combination of Abdul Ado and Hayden Koval as kind of our rotating center positions, knowing that you'll also get Odio Guama probably for stretches at, at, at center when you're playing smaller lineups. But those two players are two of the best players in the country at rim protection. Again, let me repeat, Ado and Koval are two of the best rim protectors in the nation, in the entirety of college basketball, and they're both on the same roster. This is going to pay huge dividends for our defense, and we should no longer see uncontested runs to the rim with nobody there to, to stop it or, or to block the shot or even contest. That, that in itself is so refreshing and so exciting and reinvigorating in terms of returning to what we know we do great at the University of Cincinnati. Oh, oh, it's, oh, oh. Gives me gives me chills, uh, and I mean, look, I'm also excited about we have Jeremiah Davenport, who I think I might already be on the record saying this, but probably has a shot. Uh, it, it all there's a lot of depends on this with this bold proclamation has a shot at being in the running for a conference player of the year. I, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, and I'm definitely not going to doubt Jeremiah Daven, Davenport ever again. Ever again. Never. Um, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I saw him at fan fest and the confidence he, confidence has never been an issue with Jeremiah. So it's not surprising anybody and I'm not breaking news, but he's still extremely confident and he pulls up from three and he's still making them and he's doing it off the dribble and he's still six, seven. And it's still extremely difficult to actually challenge his shot or block his shot or make him uncomfortable on the court. We also saw as 2020 progressed, Jeremiah Davenport got more and more comfortable off the dribble, taking guys off the dribble, moving from the three-point line to that mid-range game to getting an easy, easy look from the mid-range. I, I don't know what Jeremiah is going to bring next season, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities 
that he's one of the five best players in our conference next season. That is, that's within the realm. And I think a lot of Bearcat fans are hopeful for that. However, our head coach is still making him earn a starting spot. If you read that article, that's not a sure thing for Jeremiah. And he, just like everybody else, is expected to compete for and earn his spot and in, in spot in the rotation. All right. I'll go out on the limb here because last year we, we had him. This is the last time I'm bringing this up ever. Okay. This is it. Never bring this up again. I might not we, even let it air. I might just, I might just, yeah, he might edit this, this out. You say this. <laughs> we had Jeremiah Davenport as their odd man out uh, to Zach Harvey. Uh, but then we left the caveat. We did actually in that, that episode call that we could see Zach Harvey transferring, which he did. That was at the <laughs> beginning of the season. So one, you know, one wrong doesn't make a right, but whatever. I will go ahead and start go on a starting limb here. Jeremiah Davenport will earn his spot in the starting lineup. He will be on the court. He will be he will be one of the guys that the Bearcats are going to succeed at basketball. He's going to be a a key to that to that puzzle. The other thing I found interesting about about that piece and about what what they had said is about guard Mason Madsen and Wes Miller wanting to get him more involved to the point where he can be bringing the ball up the court, not just being a, a spot shooter, you know, being able to, to catch the ball, you know, off. I don't know what you want to call it, but make plays not, off the dribble. Like not make, just, yeah. don't pigeonhole yourself. Don't just be a catch and shoot player and floor spacer. Like think of yourself as being able to catch and be dangerous because of your threat from three, like go off the dribble, make some plays for you or others. Pumped about that, man. I'm 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 excited to see that. I'm also excited to hear when he talks about uh, <laughs> best hair on the team. <laughs> you and hair. You I think as as a bald guy myself, I just don't have the same. Uh I don't maybe it's maybe it's just me being bitter about not having it, but uh the hair thing is not something I linger on as much. Don't move on though from the Mason Madsen comment because I think what's interesting from there. He wants as many point guards as possible on the team. So obviously all for that Mike Saunders, Jr. David DeJulius, now Mason Madsen. Those are the three guys where he can, you know, easily see them playing minutes at the point guard position. One thing that will be interesting from a player development standpoint though, is if you think back to the conference tournament last season, it was against SMU. We had a very, you know, kind of definitive lead in the closing minutes and we saw a lot of it coughed up because when David DeJulius went to the bench, the full court press that SMU put on us was very effective against the likes of Mason Madsen, against the likes of Mike Saunders Jr. Because in my opinion, you know, like Mike Saunders Jr. is still very much a one-handed dribbler. Like he actually, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. He's a young player. It's not like he can't go to the rim. He finishes with his left at the rim easily over big men over traffic i mean he did it against memphis multiple times but those are guys that do need to expand and tighten their ball handling if they are going to play major minutes as a full-time point guard for the team and I, it sounds like they are trying to shift david to julius back to that off guard position making him a little bit more of a scoring threat good news for us but that's something where it is going to be interesting interesting to see how the player development has played out over the last year in terms of our, our guards being better with the ball. I don't, I don't disagree. Obviously that's um, that's clear and present danger right there from last season. I think one of the big things though, and man, where it's, this is, this is more an analysis of Justin Williams piece as it is of the Bearcats 
game because frankly the uh you know we haven't gotten too much news out of camp except uh you know he reported a lot of it we don't know who's going to play what because the we haven't started practice yet so we don't really know who they don't know what they have in terms of of raw abilities and, and what where everybody's sitting at when the season starts but i do think one thing that's going to help with that particular problem is the the lack of a fear of having to be perfect all the time so when you don't have that pressure a lot of times it takes off the actual you make less mistakes when you don't have that kind of got to be perfect in every situation uh, pressure. So I, th- I think that, I think those problems are going to rectify itself with, with the maturity of these, of these young players. And I think it's going to also, we're going to see an end of that also because we're just going to have a much better coach team. I think that goes back to culture too. When you say being able to play with a little bit more freedom, being able to play without worrying or treating every single mistake as though it's the end of the world and it affecting your ability to play then the preceding two, three, four, five possessions. That's something that Justin hit on in the article where it almost sounded like the team was over, like Wes has had to spend his summer building guys up from emotional trauma. And and I don't want to overstep my bounds with not being in the locker room or knowing these guys personally, but enough reporting has been done by Justin Williams and, and maybe others. I don't know if others have truly actually reported many other details, but through Justin's reporting, you you can you can get the sense that there was just a lot of pressure and and kind of overreach from the coaching staff or the previous coaching staff to where Wes Miller's coming in and having to tell these guys and build them up to say, I don't want you breaking down over a mistake. I don't want you beating yourself up over this mistake. Yes, I want mistakes cleaned up. Yes, we have to make sure our rotations are tight. Yes, I need to make sure that we're not turning the ball over. But Mistakes are all part of the practice environment. Like that's where they're going to happen. That's where you're going to make them. How are you getting better from those mistakes? It it was pretty jarring reading in this article that Wes was candidly talking about these guys being as a unit, especially the players returning to Cincinnati as a unit being very sensitive and sort of, uh, you know, just, just affected by, by on-court practice mistakes. Yeah, that, that was jarring. And, you know, frankly, he who now shall not be named. Uh, you know, it's just one of the lingering effects when you have that kind of that kind of uh, culture per, that went through your locker room, you know, for that amount of time. Here's the quote from the article. This is Wes Miller talking. Uh, this is a quote from Justin's The Program article on The Athletic. What I'm pleased with is our improvement in terms of how we're handling mistakes and failure on the floor, our mentality. I thought we were way too reactive, way too much emotional baggage would be the term I would use. The first two or three weeks when we got on the floor together, I felt like every time we made a mistake or turned the ball over, the world was going to end. At the core of that, it means they care, they want to do well, so that's not a terrible quality, but you have to be able to focus on the moment and try to win the next play. The improvement on that has been significant. That's huge, end quote. But that is absolutely huge in terms of Wes Miller, A, being willing to say that on the record. There's a lot of, uh, the context there is doing a lot of work, right? We, as, as Bearcat fans, we sort of understand what happened in 2020. And, and you can kind of infer that a lot of that was, was done or damage done by our prior, prior coaching staff. Um, 
but knowing that there's already significant improvement in that area with just a few months under, under with, with Wes Miller as head coach, that bodes well for our team going forward. Hell yeah. And one thing I'll say is I don't actually think of this team as emotionally weak either. Like if you think about how we played last season, there was two, uh, you know, obviously terrible losses to Houston, but in terms of how they battled and fought game in game out games where we shouldn't have been losing, but were fought to the end, didn't pull out some of those victories, but did win some of them. This team actually did have a lot of fight, a lot of toughness. And I think you're going to see that this season. I think you're going to see the on-court toughness grow even further as a lot of our young players have more experience, more confidence and better leadership. I agree. I agree. Well, I'm excited, buddy. I'm glad we got to finally start uh, talking some hoops. I didn't want to be overbearing with the basketball talk the week of the Notre Dame game, but as we move forward, I think it's a good idea. We don't always have to be solo basketball and solo football, but given that we're doing two episodes a week, it probably does make sense to kind of focus on each sport for each episode. So that folks know like, Hey, we're diving into basketball this episode. We're diving into football. We'll, we'll work out exactly how we're doing that, but you can expect a lot of basketball talk coming up over the next 40 days. You know what? Just be lucky. I didn't just run through all of the schools that Daniel Skillings had offers from, Uh, you know, all the, all these fantastic programs out there. you know, there's some quality ones on there. Okay. You have, you know, you have an okay, Georgia, you have a, an Iona ran by a, a has been legend. Uh, you know, you have, you have the U who hasn't been good since, you know, 1980 it's whatever. Um, you know, maybe we'll give them the two thousands. You have a, a decent Minnesota team. You have, you have some power fives in there, some Penn state, some Pittsburgh, uh, you have Virginia tech, and then you have such some absolute scrubs, you know, like Robert Morris, uh, you have, you have, you know, Hofstra and you have Xavier, Xavier. All right. Just absolute scrubs. Uh, you know, but he chose the university of Cincinnati over all those fantastic programs, except for the scrubs. All right. Let's face it. They never had a chance. Uh, you know, Bravo, Wes Miller, Bravo. Welcome to the program, Daniel Skillings. We can't wait to see you in 2022. He is joining Sage Tolentino as the two commits for our 2022 class. Very exciting times to be a Bearcat fan. Hummer, let's leave it there. We will come back with an episode later this week with a special guest that you probably have already figured out via Google. But nonetheless, we, we, we persist. Hummer, go Bearcats. <laughs> go Bearcats. <laughs>